2: plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. And we are live today. We're talking to Shannon Rugani, AKA Empress.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I want to get into that name. Cool. Um, welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Uh, I'm thrilled that you're here today and I get to talk to you and uh, you have a lot of different things going on. Um, so can we just go back? You, you were a professional dancer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was a ballerina for San Francisco Ballet for 12 years professionally um, and two years in the school before that. So, um, and then, you know, basically I crawled out of my mom's womb and started dancing right away. Like, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> how did how did you go from uh you know wanting to dance to becoming a professional dancer? That's a whole different ballgame.
0: Huge, yeah. Um, well, I think okay, so I grew up in a really small town with family. I was the oldest um child of three. No one dances in my my family at all. I mean, they do like a cute little step touch on the dance floor, but that's that was about the extent of my family's background in dancing. And I was the first child. So my parents were kind of like, okay, well, what do you do in a mountain town with a little girl? You know, you sign them up for dance class, I guess, right? So um, it was kind of an experiment. I cried the entire first ballet class and the teacher had to hold me the whole time. And she ended up just saying to my parents, she handed me back at the end of the class and said, she is not ready for this. Like, don't bring her back until she doesn't cry for an hour, you know? (laughs) so I got I always joke I got kicked out of my first ballet class but that didn't stop me so a year later the teacher actually remembered me as we were at the beach and um and somehow she saw me and she goes I remember you you look old enough to take ballet class again you should you know enroll her and so my parents did and from then on like you know I just haven't stopped dancing and and it was like a series of you know, we started a little Dolly Dinkle studio. Um, one of the, you know, teachers of the summer intensive comes and kind of saw me and and asked if, you know, if I like how old I was. I was seven actually when I was put into the advanced class in that studio. So then I was a big fish in a little pond, and then you know you kind of just keep doing that until you end up in the ocean. And um, I ended up at 14 being told to audition for a summer intensive for San Francisco Ballet School. And I ended up getting a full scholarship to go to their summer intensive, which was a huge deal because I grew up in South Lake Tahoe, California. So there's never been and probably won't be another ballerina coming from like a town where everybody's skiers and my family and tennis players. And, and, um, and so of course we took it, you know, full scholarship. So I went and then they offered me a year-round scholarship to come back and chain with the school. And then almost a year later I got a job. It was it was, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of foot cramps, a lot of tears, a lot of blood on my, you know, it's it's a really um I mean, I'm making it sound super easy. It's it's not, but it was it seems now looking back in hindsight 2020 it's like it, it Definitely, there's a path um, <laughs> that I took, and it worked, so <laughs> not complaining.
2: How, how, how do you manage being a professional dancer and you're still going to school, like regular school? Oh,
0: yeah. Um, actually, my mom, uh, she decided to homeschool me. She had a couple friends in Tahoe that had children that were really just cool kids, apparently, and I don't really know them. I know that they babysat me when I was really little, but... My parents was really taken they, – they both were taken by these these kids because they were very mature for their age. They could look at an, an adult's eyes and actually have a conversation at like you know six and seven years old, and then they grew up to be very mature kids. And so they were kind of really impressed by that. And my mom read a book. Um, it was called A Thomas Jefferson Education, and it was all about homeschooling. It kind of really, oh, and another one, homegrown kids. That kind of just really got to her. And um, and I don't think she ever really intended to homeschool me the whole time. But, but because I was homeschooled, I had more time to take private lessons, um, you know, in, in ballet classes and extra things that other kids didn't have. You know, they didn't have that time. Because when you're homeschooled, you can kind of, like, fill in the gaps if you you know have time in the evening you do your school in the evening you know instead of during the day or something so for for me anyways i just kept going with the homeschooling thing because it actually enhanced my training with you know dance and and all of the other things that i did i took piano lessons and we had tennis and skiing and you know like all the normal kid stuff but we um we were homeschooled my brother and sister were homeschooled until they went to high school and my sister, I think, went to middle school and and all the way up. Um, But yeah, so I was homeschooled and when I moved to San Francisco, I was 14. So I was still homeschooling and and at that point I was getting really good at teaching myself kind of things, you know? So it it was, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thing that I think a lot of kids are dealing with these days with this new kind of shelter in place. They're all being homeschooled essentially Um, and you kind of become a teacher to yourself in a way. So it's interesting.
2: This is no disparagement to schools, but I always, for me, I always felt like I learned a lot more not in school.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, you know, it's an interesting thing because, um, at least for me, um, I did not really have any formal school, um, you know, experience. And so, but from, from my, my perspective on it all. And I, um, you know, my brother and sister went to school and and they loved it because they had sports and they had um, friends and they had all these things, but really everyone always um, was worried that we wouldn't be like good at people skills. And like, we'd be that weird kid that doesn't know how to talk to people. And my parents really like took it upon themselves to make sure that we were reading like self-help books at young ages of like how to win friends and influence people. And, you know, like things so that we weren't like a totally weird kid, you know? Um, and I think that helps balance, balance out being home all the time. But really what, what I was interested in was um, I, I never felt like I was left out of anything. Cause like, I would always be 110% wherever I was. It was like, if I'm at ballet class, I don't have a million other things that I'm thinking about. I'm just focused on ballet class. If I'm doing my schoolwork, I don't have anyone else to impress. There's no peer pressure. It's just me. And I get to learn at my own rate. And so certain subjects was a much faster thing. I was really good at math. So I could just breeze through. And if I wanted to keep going, you know, I was doing like college math and, you know, at the age of like 11 or something, just because I liked it and I wanted to keep going. And there was no peer pressure of telling me that it wasn't okay, or that I couldn't, you know, move on because we had to wait for someone else to catch up or. So for me, anyways, it was really cool. And of course, there's, there's things that I was not good at, like spelling. And I was like, you know, a two year old speller at the age of 11. So, you know, there's, (laughs) there's that. Thank God for a spell check these days. Um, but you know, it, it was very um good for me. My experience of homeschooling was awesome. My mom was really into it, so and we had lots of tutors, so she wasn't alone. Um, and it was an awesome experience in my opinion. And I know a lot of parents just don't have time for that. And so I'm grateful that my mom was kind of able to give us 110%, you know, as well.
2: Nice. And so so music was still was a part of your life, even, yeah. even at yeah. that time. Time, So you were involved in a lot of things. I
0: feel like it's a full circle. Now I'm a singer songwriter, but it was always that. That was always kind of the the reason why I even danced was because of the music. It was like, you know, you hear music as a kid and most kids will do a little jig. I mean, I could not sit still. If I was listening to um, a soundtrack, you know, it could be in the background of a TV show or, you know, that Disney film where you're like the, you know, they, they sing and dance with you. I couldn't not move to that. And, and there was this like thing inside of me that every time I heard music, you know, it was just so inspiring. And as a dancer, I almost sometimes, um, the teachers would ask us to do something and I couldn't do it unless there was music. It was the weirdest thing. And I remember realizing that one day I was like, kept trying this turn and I kept falling and the teacher finally was like, well, just try it with the music. So we did it with the music and I was fine. And she was like, yeah, I thought so. Like there's something about the music with you, you know, it's always, it always tied in. So I started, um, you know, playing piano when I was really little without lessons. I so just got this piano from my great grandmother, and I just was doodling one day, and I had a really good ear for music. So I figured out how to play "Happy Birthday" for my mom, and she freaked out. She was like, "Who taught you how to do this?" You, she was shocked. I thought she was mad, so I apologized with tears in my eyes. I'm like, "I'm sorry. No one told me. No one taught me how to do this. I just learned by myself." And she's like, "No, this is amazing. We're gonna get you lessons, you know." And and thankfully, I found like. Uh, or she found this Mary Poppins, you know, piano teacher who made learning the most fun thing in the whole world. You know, it was all rainbows and butterflies. And she, you know, made it so um, fun to practice, which I think is the, that's the key ingredient to getting good at anything is practicing. So she made it really fun to get good at something that you were already interested in. You know, I think, um, a lot of teachers can kind of suck the life out of you if they're not, if they're just teaching their way, um, it's that's fine, but it doesn't necessarily always work for the student. And this teacher taught every student the way that they needed to be taught. And it, like, my sister was always really good at um, sight reading. I hated sight reading. So, what she did was she, she knew I liked composing. So she taught me how to compose and while doing so, I needed to learn how to sight read so that I could write down and understand my own, you know, composition. So she taught us the same things. She just did it, you know, in my language and and my sister's language. So it was kind of exceptional that way, you know.
2: Well, I had the. I played. I played the saxophone, and I was Did in the band you? and the marching band and all that stuff. And it's my
0: favorite. Uh, when Instagram I was younger, like.
2: I had the grumpiest music teacher uh, <laughs> in the world. Um, he's since passed away, so sorry oh, about that. Yeah. Uh, but when I got into to grade school and high school, all the teachers were were amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it really that makes such a difference. You know, um, I had one teacher too that she would. Uh, Show up on time, leave early. She was chewing nicotine gum with the blue eyeshadow and she'd take over most of the piano seats. She'd so like, you know, and she'd be like, play this. And I was like, I don't I mean, I have an ear for music. If you play it first, then all of a sudden the music makes more sense. But you know, she taught her own way. I almost quit piano and then we found the Mary Poppins teacher. So <laughs> yeah.
2: So you you're professionally dancing. Yeah. Um, were you just, I don't want to say toying around with music, but but while you're professionally dancing, were you just kind of doing music on the side for yourself? Yeah. And-
0: the coolest part about being in the, in the ballet world is there's always a piano in the studio. And so when there's an empty studio, there's an empty, pia- you know, there's, it's like a big piano room. So I always found my way down into the basement. They had all these, um, in the opera house at San Francisco Ballet, they always have all of these, uh, rehearsal practice rooms for the, the, um, symphony. And there's always a piano in those rooms. So if there was no one in those rooms, I'd just sneak in, in my tutu and start tinkling on the piano and, and you know, making up music. But it was always, uh, for me anyway, my music and the, and the composing, there's never any vocals to it. I never sang as a kid. Um, I would play the piano. And so I'd compose on the piano and so all of these things. And it was just like my way of releasing you know, like stress or energy or whatever. It was more of a, a venting, you know, place, and and it also recharged me as well. It was like my charging dock, you know. So, so for so long, I was only doing that, and then the the story of how I found my voice was pretty fascinating because we ended up having to audition in San Francisco Ballet for a singing role in a ballet, which never ever happens. We are a visual art form you we are not seen, And I'm so sorry, there's like road work right outside my window, so I'm so sorry.
2: I can hear, okay. it. you're good.
0: Good, great. Um, but literally we had um, this audition where we had to sing and the entire company had to sing. I mean, this is like, this is the scariest thing a ballerina could ever do. We're very used to using our bodies to express our, you know, artist art, but um, not our voice. And in fact, for I was a loud ballerina. I was always constantly told to be quiet. You know, like Shannon. You know, just stop talking. <laughs> it's ballet rehearsal. Like everyone's just, you know, silent. So I was the loud one always. So go figure, I auditioned for this and I get the role. Um, and I ended up doing this this part, which was in West Side Story Suite. And it was the role of Anita, which is a sassy part. I always got the sassy parts after this. It was like the typecast, you know, like the first, first role that you get. And then everyone's like, oh, she's good at that. Like, let's put her in all the sassy roles. So I ended up getting to do an opening night of um, West Side Story Suite in front of 3,500 people for the first time. I've never opened my mouth in my entire life. And now I'm singing in front of an opera house. It was the scariest thing I've ever done. And now everything, you know, from there, it's like, okay, you know, nothing will ever be that scary ever again. <laughs> Breaking the silence um, in the ballet it was not easy, but it was um, its really cool because the audience could have reacted kind of like what is happening, but they ended up screaming at the end it was like a rock concert like that doesn't happen in an opera house where where they do like golf claps you know maybe a whistle or a bravo or something but stood up i got a standing ovation people were screaming like it was you know a big rock concert and it was so great for i mean you know my ego really it was a good ego boost and so since then you know I broke that silence and now I can't shut up. So that's basically,
2: <laughs> well, I have a good question, but it was actually <laughs> going to be at the end of this, um, uh, going from you're in a group dancing with a lot of other people.
0: Yeah.
2: And then you just said you're now you're at the, the front singing.
0: Yeah.
2: Now you're really at the front singing.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, how do you, how do you handle reviews and, and, uh, negative and positive feedback as far yeah. as you're in the group and now by yourself?
0: Totally. Well, I mean, well, so far, knock on wood. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get it at some point. But um, knock on wood, no, nobody's been really mean about my music. But honestly, after being in the ballet, I mean, they're so rough on you in the ballet. It's just it, it's you almost become so used to getting criticism because they don't have time to give everybody compliments because everyone's so freaking talented in the ballet company. It's not like you were amazing. Oh, by the way, you know, your foot was a little crooked or whatever they call it, sickled in the ballet, Um, you know, or you were out of line or something. They just go straight for the like, you're out of line. This is what's wrong with that. I mean, pretty much everything's great, but they want to make it perfect. And so they focus on how to make it perfect in the ballet. I think that's a pretty good Kind way of putting, you know, putting it. But we're used to um, criticism all time, ta- all the time, you know. And so when you get into an audience, everyone's going to have their own opinions. But they all clap at the end. I mean, like everybody claps at the end, so you feel good, like you did your job, and you can go home and sleep at night. Um, you know, I did a Broadway show, and some people love the show. Some people, you know, would would say things about it that weren't, like, the most complimentative, but we'd laugh about it because it's still, you know, we're still doing a show, and everyone deserves their own opinion, you know, they've earned the right to have their own opinion, thank God we're in America, you know, and and we have that right, it's, it's great, and art is, um, people are going to look at the same people, uh, piece of art, if you're in a room with five other people, there's going to be five different opinions of what they're seeing, And that's just part of what we do as artists is that we put something out there and people can have their opinions. And so can you, you know, if you feel like you did a good job, then that should be enough for you to go home at night. You shouldn't be looking for other people's approval. You know, you know, when you do a good good job. Yeah, no,
2: absolutely. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, So how, how did you reinvent yourself uh, to be an empress?
0: Empress was a really, that was a, That was a fun transition, actually. So I went from um, the ballet, and then I did a brief, uh, like, well, brief, two years. Um, I did a two-year stint on Broadway in An American in Paris. And that was a really cool thing for me because it was the same. It was, like, um, there was a lot of ballet in the Broadway show, but it was, like, a combo platter of ballet, actors, Broadway performers, um, you know, just, like, opera singers. Like, we had – a little bit of everything. And that really kind of opened up this whole new world for me because it was going from like the silent performing arts world, the ballet, the perfection, the um, just just classic nature of it to like, you know, like jazz hands and loud things and just being in a loud city with a lot of things going on in New York City. We're like, Everything's always happening all at once and being thrown into this very loud world. Um, it was so empowering. It was like, wow, this is I mean, I kind of felt like I was with my people, like I was like that green alien in the ballet for so many years. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, everyone's a green alien here. This is awesome. Like I fit right in. And so I felt like that made me more confident in making noise. So like for me, the biggest thing was just like breaking the silence, even if, you know, you it even if you were good at it, it's still hard to do in the ballet. So, um, and there's only one ballet that ever had singing in it. So it's not like I was doing it every day. You know, I did it once and then everybody knew I could sing, but you don't sing in a ballet. So it doesn't really help you that much. Um, so going to Broadway opened up this whole nother world. Um, and, and it made me feel like, huh, I want more of this. I also felt this hunger and need as an artist to actually create. So when you're created on, you're basically like, essentially you're a canvas or you can be the color too, but somebody else is painting it, you know, and somebody else is kind of creating something and you're a part of it. And you're maybe, you know, you feel like you're in control um, because you're the one doing it. You're the one physically doing the work. But somebody else—you're speaking someone else's words, and you're wearing someone else's costumes. And I'm not trying to make this sound horrible. I love doing that. There's some freedom to not having uh, to to decide everything under the sun, like what you're wearing, what you're singing, what you're what you're saying. You know, like just everything. There's a lot of pressure that goes along with that. Um, but I was ready for that. I'd been in the in the performing arts for 15 years, and I I kind of was ready to have a voice of my own. And so that kind of started me on this path and this journey of songwriting, which ended up turning into this the most empowering experience for me as an artist. And that's how I came up with Empress was because I actually felt like for the first time I was the ruler over my own life and the creator of my own happiness and my own art and my own everything. And I wanted to to find a name that like embodied that, that wasn't like I'm ruling over someone else. This is just my experience. And so, um, so Empress, I couldn't believe the name Empress hasn't been taken. And I just had it like, copywritten and trademarked and registered and like the whole thing, like I I still can't believe like that was the name out there. I mean, I thought about it for a long time. Like, I don't know, you know, if I want to even touch that, that's like a big name to big shoes to fill, (laughs) a big tiara to wear, you know, all the things. And, um, and then I realized that, no, I want to empower others to feel the same way because if, you know, if I can do that from probably one of the most, um, disciplined, you know, in a in a weird way, like suppressed kind of um, uh, ballet world, if I can feel this empowered, like, I could have felt that this whole time in the ballet, like, I just, it took me so long to find that. And now I write music that inspires dancers that are dancing now to feel the way I feel. So it's like, I'm I'm kind of giving back to, you know, the old me in a way. And kind of reminding myself that I was always the empress over my own life, and I was always the ruler over my happiness. And you know, it's like um, anyway, it's been it's been really fun creating Empress. I'll, I'll say that.
2: <laughs> how how has the music business been different than than professional dancing?
0: Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the same. Like in any industry, there's like the the I want to say. With lack, like there's just no other word that I can think of right now, but it's like the one percenters, you know, there's like there's definitely a group, a group of people that are working constantly. Let, let's just put it that way. And I think that that's probably a good way of putting it because it's the same in the ballet. There's really amazing dancers, but, you know, they're maybe not always working. Um, same on Broadway. There's like only 900 performers on Broadway at any given time or something. But there's like, I mean, I've been to auditions where there's 7,000 people that show up for the same part. Mm. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't working. So the people who are working in the music industry, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's interesting. Cause there's, I guess the difference that I noticed from the ballet where everybody is super humble, because everyone's amazing. And you can always be, you know, you, your worst competitor is actually yourself, because you can have a really good show one day, and then you have a bad day, and they take you out of the same part. I mean, it's like, you know, you have the ups and downs. And sometimes you're your own worst enemy. It's not someone else backstabbing you to try and get your role. It's like, you just didn't do a good enough job the next time you did it or something. It's every day you have to prove your worth. And there's no faking it. You can't fake ballet. I mean, you can't just walk in there and be like, I'm going to just be a ballerina. It's like, no, you just can't do that. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're not good, you don't make it. On Broadway, you can kind of, and I love Broadway performing artists. Don't take this wrong. But you can fake a lot of things on Broadway. (laughs) It's just like, you got to be good at a lot of things. Whereas in the ballet, you have to be great at ballet. You know, you don't have to be a good singer. Like the fact that I was a good singer in the ballet doesn't really mean anything to the ballet unless I'm doing that show that night, you know? So, and I, and I don't want to make um, this sound like, I don't want to sound like Betty Davis, like, let me tell you something, honey, you know, like this, I'm not a bitter Betty about it. This is just being as honest as possible about the performing arts, but in the music industry, I've noticed you can fake everything. I mean, it's, It's a very different industry and it does matter who's behind you and who's working with you. And so it really is all in who you know and the group of people that you put together to make the art, you know? And, and so for me anyways, the first couple years of getting into the music industry was just finding the team that I could trust, that I wanted to work with, that inspires me and also the ones that are doing really amazing things in the music industry. So um, still building my team, of course, and I'm always excited to work with new people. Um, but I have a I have a group of people that are really incredible that are working with me, and and I just feel really blessed to, you know, have found them. So,
2: what's your biggest mis- misconception of the of the music business the, now that you're in it?
0: I think. Um, it's almost more. It might not even be a misconception. It's it's almost refreshing in a way. It's it's like okay, um, who who you know how much money you have to back you. You will be and and if you already have. Don't don't get me wrong. You have to have talent, of course. But if you have those two things, if you have the the talent, but then you have the the team and the money to go to back you. I mean the sky's the limit, really. So that's, it's more refreshing in a way, because there's no other industry that you can really like fake it like this, you know. Um, And you don't have to, I think the misconception that I've seen, I'm like, you don't have to sleep with people to, I'm married, I'm happily married, you don't have to sleep with people to get to the next level there. It's just, you know, it's very basic money, the team, talent, and you're good, you know, and um and it's yeah that's it's kind of refreshing in a way as an artist i'm like that's it okay great awesome let's do this
2: How, how's your husband been as far as a, a supporter for He's all your music
0: so supportive like um i mean let's just talk about this for a second he let me from san francisco he supported me um to go to broadway and he went back and forth he was a bi-coastal husband For over three years Um, and he would because I was really you know in New York I couldn't really leave we have one day off a week and we have eight shows and so it's a a rough schedule and so he was the one going back and forth for and he never complained once I mean what an incredible man he comes to every show he's always so proud and excited and um, and I would say that he loves me more than what I do for a living you know so he just supports me as a woman and it's really, I wouldn't have it any other way, but I'm, I'm living like with my Prince Charming for sure. Like I definitely feel so blessed to have um, so much support in one man. You know, it's awesome.
2: That is awesome. That's cool. <laughs> uh, it's important too.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it's, it's so nice.
2: <laughs> so obviously we're all kind of locked in the house um, yeah. with this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Leading up to this, uh, what were your plans for 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 the music, and what what has changed or or oh, yeah. temporarily been put on hold?
0: Well, it's interesting because I think the whole industry has been shaken up. Here, I love performing, and and all of a sudden, I think the performing arts is going to be hit potentially, you know, the hardest because. We, we rely on an audience and audiences are not going to probably feel, and I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth, but um, I think about like my father-in-law who is turning 86 this week. And like, when am I going to feel comfortable having him in an auditorium, you know, when with uh, tons of other people. So I think it's going to be a while before, you know, that happens. And so, um, So I think the whole industry is shifting and changing. And I think um, for me anyway, I was excited about performing. And now that's kind of shifting a little bit more to potentially like virtual reality and finding ways to connect with audiences. Um, I'm not really big on the living room concerts because I just don't feel like I don't know, from the ballet world, we have such a high standard for quality, I don't feel like we found like a really great solution for um, entertainment yet. Um, Unless it's maybe virtual reality where you can be immersed in it and people can be performing like at a level that they were proud of doing instead of like, it's fun seeing people in their PJs for like, you know, once or twice, but then, you know, there's something about going to a concert that like, wow, we all experience it together and there's something, you know, there's something there um, that happens and it's just more special when it's live. But there was recently a concert in virtual reality where 12.3 million people showed up and at the same time. And so they all had this, you know, co-experience. And um, I thought that was really cool because where else could you ever do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Where else can you get 12.3 million people in the same space no, i mean i don't know of anywhere so i think that that's actually a really exciting new thing i'm working on a couple of projects they're like top secret but um but i think virtual reality is definitely going to be um, a solution for the performing arts um in this next chapter. And I also think too, in the best way is, and and for the performing arts that I'm, you know, the old performing arts, the ballet, the opera, the symphony, the Broadway even, um, I think that there was no incentive for them to go um, online or to do anything, you know, on the World Wide web. (laughs) And now all of a sudden everybody is kind of in the same predicament and they're realizing they need to change and so this wheel that was never going to stop or change all of a sudden had to change overnight and nobody can take the blame for it nobody can take the credit for it it just it's, it has to happen and it is happening and I think that's a huge step in the right direction for the performing arts to actually not only join in on the 21st century but to actually be a part of the creation finally because I think that that needs that, that's always been my passion is like, you know, technology meets the performing arts. They need to be hand in hand and create the future. Otherwise, we could easily replace the performing arts um, on accident.
2: Definitely. I, I think that one of the benefits is I've discovered, you know, personally, so many new people, new music that I would have never seen. I'm like, wait, why have I never heard of this person before? Yeah. This song is awesome. Um, It's an
0: exciting time. It's like a, it's a new wild, wild west of, of the, you know, music industry for sure. And for me, I was going to do like music videos and um, you know, I had a few concerts lining up and there, it it was going to be fun to plan and do all this stuff. And now everything's kind of on hold. And I actually, I'm not sure. Um, you know, everything in my life at least has happened for a reason and they've always worked out to be the best for, ver- you know, it was always the best case scenario, even if at the time, you know, I couldn't see cause it was too close to my, you know, y- you like have no perception on, on like, what is, what is good and what is bad when it's too close to you. So I think that, um, all of these things that are happening are happening, for the right reason it wasn't the right time for me to release that song or you know whatever it is and i'm writing new music and i'm writing symphonies and i'm doing all kinds of fun things so using this time wisely just preparing for the future when we're out of you know when 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 we're in the clear i guess
2: yes (laughs) um your your song lovely i am that's my favorite song i would say
0: thanks thank you so much
2: could you tell me about writing that song? And also it seems like you still, you're still mixing the dancing in, which is cool. Yeah, so you can still yeah. do everything that you love. Yes. in Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, thanks for saying that actually, because that was my dream um, was actually being able to do everything that I love to do in the performing arts. I mean, I'm not like doing a million other things outside, but like I'm not kicking a soccer ball or something too. I'm doing the performing arts, but in one place it was like creating my empire um of the ballet and broadway and acting and dancing and well i'll sing all songwriting all the things in one place and not being typecast because like in the ballet they um or on broadway they call me prima ballerina which i was like First of all, I'm not a prima ballerina, but thank you. You know, I don't even think that's a real thing anymore. But um, and then you go back to the ballet and they'd be like, hey, Broadway star. And I was like, not really a Broadway star either. You know, it's just it's just funny that that you can't just be a ballerina when you're in the ballet or on the Broadway or in the Broadway. It was always like everyone always had like the you're always somewhere else kind of thing. And so for me, being able to do everything that I love to do all in one place and create this home for it is really like, that's the coolest thing ever. But Lovely I Am, Um, first song that I wrote, took me forever to write it and rewrite it and continue doing that. But it was during this really tough time in the ballet for me, I I was hired kind of as a, a girl and then I turned into a woman and my body changed, and I was being punished for. And and I don't want to say punished. I want to say I was in a visual art form where that matters. Oh, you know, it's it's similar to like I would say being a model or something. It's like if you don't have the right body type, you don't you know you don't get to work. And if that's what you love to do the most, which you know ballet was what I wanted to do, and then my body was like. The, the reason why I couldn't do it, it was just really, it was a bummer, you know, and it was, I'm grateful that I have so much like love around me from my family, from my friends and Rob, my husband loves me. And like, so I don't, I don't necessarily need the, the um, approval, but it was uh, I didn't fit in with the other girls at this time. And I was so bummed and I didn't know what to do. And I just felt like when I dance on stage there's no mirrors, so like for me, I felt like I was the most beautiful person, and I was lovely, and just you know, like a, I was, you know, just shining light. But um, on the the outside, it was like I was being judged by how I looked, but on the inside, I felt beautiful. And I think when when I really hit rock bottom, I was sitting in a tutu at a Nutcracker performance, and I went down to a little studio, um, you know, one of those rehearsal spaces that I was telling you about that the symphony rehearses in. And I found a piano and this song just gushed out of me like my, you know, fake eyelashes fell off. I was crying, it was like such a beautiful moment. And that's when the song was like born. Um, Since then it's changed, you know, over the years. and, and, And I felt like I wrote it at rock bottom but I finished it when I was Empress. So there's this like full circle thing of like lovely I am. Like I was always the same person on the inside. It was just the outside that people were seeing and projecting in different ways. It was like I may not seem warm or fuzzy on the outside, but inside I was like gushing with love, you know, or um, I might not seem pretty to you, but inside I am, you know, I'm like I am I'm beautiful on the inside and that's what matters. And actually when I started changing my mindset on like, you know, instead of worrying about what I looked like on the outside and loving myself from the outside in, people started seeing me differently. All of a sudden, like I didn't lose weight, I didn't change, I didn't, nothing really changed that much. Um, And all of a sudden, people started seeing me differently, like, oh, she is beautiful and you know, let's put her in this part, and this role and stuff. And then everything sort of changed when I decided like, I am lovely. This is this is who I am and and I don't know. It was a it was a cool little butterfly moment, you know. Um, awesome. From, yeah. Anyway. Again,
2: we're talking to Empress uh, Shannon Rogani. <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs> uh, what
2: what other songs uh, should we check out that you're you're proud of?
0: Yeah, I really love. I think everything that I that I put into the song kind of embodies what Empress is. But we own this crown is like one of those songs that when, when I wrote it and I had a songwriting partner in New York that helped me write it as well, Alex Forbes, she's phenomenal. And so, um, just empowered as a woman. And so it was really fun to like sit down and write with her. Um, we wrote this song and we were both like, oh my gosh, there's something to like the song wrote itself. We, we started off on a different path and then it just wrote itself. You know, it's like, we weren't going to write a song about wearing your own crown and kind of creating your own happiness and being your own empress but um that happened and it was that that was one of the coolest ex- songwriting experiences ever because oops um it just felt like the song wrote itself um so we own this crown is a special one for me I really like that
2: how, how about the video process um again i go back to lovely i am yeah um, i mean that has to be fun for you because you were in a visual
0: um yeah <laughs>
2: performance artists you know with dancing
0: yeah now
2: you can sing again where you can do both things that you you love the most uh how was how that whole process
0: that was a really cool process um well first of all i was i had dan i was focusing on my my music for so long and i was kind of teetering on should i only just do one thing because i think Doing too many things at once can be not only confusing for people sometimes, they're like, well, what does she do? You know, what is it ballet? Is it Broadway? Is it singing? Is it songwriting? What is it? And I wanted to be kind of like a little sensitive to that for so long. So I wasn't going to dance. And so, um, yeah, that was it. I was just like, okay, Empress is going to just, you know, stand there and sing and maybe sit at the piano and that's it. And then, One day I was just like, wait, I'm creating this, this thing so that I can do all of these things. So I should dance in this music video. And so I decided to make a dance video and use my friends from San Francisco ballet and, and do like a whole dance video. And it was really fun. I had to get into shape, um, because, you know, I was going to dance next to my old colleagues and I hadn't been in the company for a few years. So, um, that took me a while, but it was, um, not only exhausting physically, but like it it was so exhilarating, you know, it was like, I don't know, as a ballerina, we don't get filmed that often, you know, it's like live performance. So it lives for the moment and then it kind of dies off, but it was really cool to work on film as a ballerina and a singer songwriter because it documents and it like kind of freezes time in a way, and so it's it's a special memory that kind of gets um, saved in a lot of ways, where, you know, like most of my career uh, is a memory by people that were there um, that one night, you know? It's like we share it, but it doesn't really live on physically or like in a place that everybody can see. And, and so it was special for me to be on um, around my good friends and kind of create this new memory.
2: Awesome, yeah. um, Shannon. Where where can we find you and uh, Preston if you're listening over there? Could you put all her links below? That would be cool. <laughs> uh, other than I mean, I, I find you everywhere. I, I just searched for you and you're on YouTube. And but if yeah. you could tell everybody, that would be great.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, my website empress-music.com. Uh, you can find pretty much everything that you need there. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's my favorite of the social media platforms. It's empress.music. music and um, I'm the same on Facebook. I think the only other difference is like Twitter. I had to do an underscore instead of the dot, so Empress underscore music. But um, yeah, that's uh, Spotify. I'm on. I'm on every platform. Um, you can find me there. Um, yeah. Last
2: last question <laughs> for you. When you wake up in the morning, what's the perfect day to you?
0: Ooh, having a purpose. I think. I think just waking up with anything and and it goes back to being homeschooled and like being focused at one thing at a time, you know, having a purpose, having an excited, like having a dream that you're working towards, I think is, is always important. And once you hit those milestones, celebrate them and then set a new dream or goal and always kind of waking up with a purpose is I think the key to um, being like a childlike you know, soul of the world and kind of, um, excited about life. Um, cause I think if you lose that, bye, <laughs>
1: right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah.
0: So, so just waking up with a purpose, I think, um, whether that's singing, music, dance, whatever it is, enjoy your life.
2: Awesome. Shannon. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Everybody go check out her stuff. It's, I mean, I wouldn't lead you in the wrong direction. She's, Thank she's so awesome. Much. Gosh, Thanks it was so talking lovely with
0: talking with you and thank you so much for everything that you do as well.
2: Cool. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Talk to you soon.
0: <laughs> Sounds great.
1: Bye.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop
1: up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.